Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. In celebrating Black History Month, my guest for this morning is Alan Maxwell. He is the president and CEO of Army 2 Max, a defense contractor business with 100 employees in nine states. Alan is also the USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of The System is Unforgiving, Play by the Rules and Win. Alan is a retired U.S. Navy officer, a former federal employee with over 43 years of federal experience. As a business leader, he has led and developed several personal businesses for the past 20 years. Alan holds a master's degree in computer information system, a bachelor's of science degree in business management, and an associate degree in electronic technologies. He is also certified in the Defense Acquisition Workforce Improvement Act as a Level 3 Program Manager and a Level 3 System Engineer and a member of the Acquisition Workforce Community. Alan and I will be having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey, his multiple award-winning book, and his passion for mentoring students to succeed in life regardless of challenges they face. Good morning, Alan. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Oh, good morning, Johnny. I'm doing great. Doing outstanding. Thank you for Fantastic. Having- wonderful, wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you with me, sir. The system is unforgiving. Play by the rules and win is extremely insightful, engaging, and wonderful read. Respectfully, it reminds me of life's journey and the many conversations we have with ourselves about life, love, and laughter, and along the way, of course, tears as well. <laughs> so thank you for taking the time to compose such an excellent book. Congratulations on this release. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It, it, was a, uh, it was a fun journey. Wonderful, wonderful, sir. Let us start by getting to know you a little better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Sure. Uh, Johnny, you know, I uh, I grew up in North Philadelphia, uh, probably one of the worst areas in Philadelphia. Uh, but, you know, I had a mom and dad that, that was caring up to a point, and uh, they, they did what they could to keep us safe. Uh, my mom and dad split, and uh, my mother came uh, came from a small town in Georgia where she was raised on a farm. And so she took the children, me being the youngest of seven, um, down to Georgia after her and my dad separated when I was about 11 or 12 years old. Got to Georgia, realized that Southern lifestyle just wasn't for me. Coming from the inner city, going to the deep rural South was certainly a cultural shock and certainly something that uh, was a little more than I could have at the time. So as soon as I was able, I uh, took an escape route at the age of 17, joined the Navy, went to California, and been out in California ever since. Started out my Navy career um, and did 22 years. Um, started out enlisted, got commissioned as an officer. Uh, when I was ready to retire, it was time to get serious and figure out what I was going to do in my next life. So I ended up being a defense contractor, quickly rose to the ranks of a director of operations for a small technology firm, and that wasn't satisfying enough. So I went into the federal government, quickly achieved the, uh, the grade of GS-15, 
managing great large programs worldwide. And that still wasn't scratching my itch, so I decided rather than becoming a senior executive, I felt that it was time to bet on myself, and I started Omni 2 Max. And uh, the rest is history, Johnny. So that was a high-level reason I just <laughs> no, fantastic. I'm sure along the way is one of those things where you, the moment you strap something on from Georgia and head out on the Navy, it's a, it's an adventure. That's what they say about the Navy. Let me answer this, though. <laughs> Why did you decide to join the Navy rather than the Army and the Marines <laughs> or the Marines? Are, are you ready for the answer? Here we go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually in Air Force ROTC, and I uh-huh. went down to join the Air Force. Yeah. Um, I missed the Air Force exam by three points. But as I was leaving the station, the Army and the Marine Corps guys said, hey, you know, uh-huh. you qualify to join either branch. And I asked this one simple question. I said, do you guys sleep outside in the woods? And they said, yes. I went, that's it, not doing it. <laughs> I'm going to join the Navy. <laughs> hey, good answer, you know, good answer. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. What was the yeah. most exciting memory for you about being in the Navy and the places you have visited and stationed? Wow, that's a, that's a tough question because uh, – Every duty station had its challenges. I would say my absolute best was uh, in Bermuda is where I uh, was stationed there for three years. Uh-huh. I met and married the love of my life that I'm still with today after 36 years. Um, my most challenging career was uh, my most challenging duty station was as the uh, base ordnance officer in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Mm-hmm. Um, every day was a, was a, was a, uh, a challenge. Every day was intense. Seven days a week, 24-7, it didn't turn off. Uh, and that was for three years of just uh, intensity that I mm-hmm. never endured in my life. And I think uh, the most uh, uh, revelation uh, tour was when I was on board USS Kincaid where we had a collision at sea. Um, mm-hmm. One of the officers, so four of my best friends, were swept out into the Straits of Malacca and was lucky to save them. But that, that was a defining moment in my life. And that's when I think the system really became clear to me um, mm-hmm. and how forgiving it could be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. You, so mm-hmm. you were in the Straits of Malacca. Did you ever get a chance to visit any of the uh, peninsula at all? Absolutely. We went to Singapore. Uh, well, mm-hmm. um, uh, unfortunately, we had no other choice but to go to Singapore. We had a big old 58-foot <laughs> hole in the bottom of our ship. So uh, we were able to prevent the ship from sinking. And we were able mm-hmm. to limp into the into Singapore, and so we did it. Singapore got a chance to. I'm not sure if we went to Malaysia or not, but we did mm-hmm. go to uh, um, Pakistan, uh, yeah, Karachi, mm-hmm. and uh, and then mm-hmm. uh, to the Philippines and mm-hmm. some of those places over there. Mm-hmm. So very very interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's wonderful. Well, I mean, somewhere along the line, as you grew up in the ranks in the Navy, then you became, uh, I mean, I'm just using this lightly and I hope you take it that way, you know, uh, the bad boy, because when I say bad boy here, because you are the disciplined guy, the chief warrant officer. So, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, well, that's a toughie for a lot of people, I guess. Well, that was, that was just so funny because I never wanted to be a uh, uh-huh. chief warrant officer, nor did I want to be a chief petty officer. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Because I wanted to go straight to the top. I didn't want to. I didn't want to take the steps. I wanted to go. Once I realized yeah. what I was doing, hey, I was ready to become an admiral, you know, and, and skip everything in between. 
Yes, sir. <laughs> but I'm so glad <laughs> that I became a chief, and I'm so glad that I became a chief warrant officer because yeah. in the Navy, chief warrant officers are assigned in any position. So mm-hmm. any anything, any job that's 05 or below, um, mm-hmm. you'll get assigned to it, which is kind of cool. So, uh, mm-hmm. And what's really cool about it is that some of the unrestricted officers don't know how to handle you, so you kind of get to do what you want to do. It's made it very interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. When did you realize there are rules in winning? So I actually started figuring it out when I was in Georgia. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't I didn't understand that it was rules, but I understand it was something that was going on. Uh, and right. just how you had to position yourself to make yourself, put yourself in an advantageous, advantageous situation. So as I, like I said, as I uh, matured a little more, mm-hmm. I think uh, about midways in the Navy is when I realized that you have to have a set of rules and guidelines to follow because, you know, going through life, not establishing a course will, will just send you in a tailspin. So right. um, it began in Georgia, for sure. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. So how did you feel the very first time you consciously won playing by the rules? So I, uh, it, was, it was a revelation. And the mm-hmm. first time playing by the rules was when I realized that there was a set of rules and mm-hmm. that um, there was a system in place. So when I was an E-5, a brand-new E-5 petty officer in the Navy, I looked around and saw that there were some things that I had to do. There was a system I had to follow, and I did, and I took the ball in my own court, and I went from just making E5 to getting commissioned as an officer within seven years, hitting every rank in between. And that's Mm -hmm. when I knew, and that solidified that there's definitely a system in play, and if you use it correctly and play by it, you can't do nothing but win. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Why did you decide to write the system is unforgiving, play by the rules and win? So, um, interesting enough, I wrote the book first, and then the title kind mm-hmm. of appeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't as if I had the title first. Um, what I've learned, and so to answer your question directly, mm-hmm. um, I was asked with uh, folks that knew me and knew some of my journey. Mm-hmm. They kept saying, Alan, you need to write a book. Alan, you've had an amazing life. You need to write a book. You need to write a book. <laughs> and I thought about it, but, you know, of course, that's a that's a big challenge to, to write a book. Right. And I ended up, um, um, through just happenstances, meeting my book coach, Kim O'Hara. And mm-hmm. Kim, uh, my goodness, is an amazing individual. She's like a drill sergeant, and she wouldn't let me off the hook. And she <laughs> said, you have an amazing story that you have to tell. And so there it is. And she stayed on me until I got it done. Fantastic. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading The System is Unforgiving? Oh, man, that is, a, that is an awesome question. Here's what the takeaway is. Number one, life doesn't owe you anything. Two, you can't take anything personal. And three, you have to set your course and you have to stay the course if you want to achieve anything in life. Um, and it's really that simple. It's no one else's mm-hmm. fault. Uh, you can't be a victim. You just have to just stand up tall, take the good with the bad, but you have to keep moving. Fantastic. So 
please share with us the 15 rules that you mentioned in the book. Absolutely. So the 15 rules, uh, and they're not that very simple. Rule number one is, is seek and identify and appreciate your mentor. And, and that's all about, uh, in most cases, your mentors will find you. But when you do find a mentor, they were placed in your life to help you achieve greatness. I mean, they're there to, to push you and to make you uh, bring out those qualities that you're afraid to, 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 sh- to show. Um, you have to stay focused on your objectives, and you have to continuously reevaluate your game plan because what made you successful today doesn't mean that same thing is going to make you successful tomorrow. So you have to look around and see what's trending, what's changing, and then you have to, to be on it. Uh, and that's, that's by constantly surveying, that's rule number three, constantly surveying your environment to ensure that every day you know where you're at. So when you set your goals for five years, day two of your first five years, you have to make sure that you're moving in the right direction. Um, four, never become pompous or arrogant. Uh, the quickest thing to shut people down uh, and, won't, and they won't support you if you become super arrogant and you're ungrateful and just think that because you had a win that now you're on top. That's the biggest uh, detriment in anyone's path, I believe. You have to be humble and you have to be grateful in all your, your small achievements. Um, and, it's, and, and with that, it's not important to win. You know, I'm a very competitive person, but mm-hmm. the biggest lesson I learned that it's best to let others win because even if, even if you know you could have won, you have to encourage the team around you. You have to, to respect others' opinions and others' thoughts, and maybe it's not yours. However, it may be different, but it will get you to the same point. So that's what you have to focus on. Uh, uh, own up on your mistakes, right? So if you do something mm-hmm. wrong, step up to the plate and take it, you know, but don't, don't take the fall for someone else. Don't, don't be the victim of someone else's mistakes because that could also just take you out. And uh, never be too demanding. Uh, Sometimes, as my grandmother always told me, um, you can get more with a spoonful of sugar than you can with a spoonful of salt. So (laughs) you kind of nudge folks, point them in the right direction, and then you just kind of let it marinate and let it get to where it needs to go. And you'll eventually get to what you want. You'll get there. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, be flexible to change because we're in a very changing environment. Uh, but stay focused and stand your ground ethically. Never, never, never let someone take you outside of your in- your um, uh, integrity level. And as I say today when I talk to other companies, I tell them right in the very beginning, the one thing I will never compromise is my, in- my uh, integrity. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie, cheat, or steal to get ahead. It's not worth it. So you have to stay your ground uh, ethically. Um, stay close to your circle. Uh, it's always good to not have a large circle. Um, when you do, to me and what I've learned in life, when you're out there and you're center stage and you've got all these friends, all that means is a lot of trouble because now they bring a lot of things to you that you wouldn't have if you wasn't in a large circle. So keep your circle small. Keep your circle with people that you know you can trust. Um, be discerning about whom you trust and your ambitions because, again, not everybody is going to be happy for your successes. So you want to make sure that you're a good mentor, you hang around the right people, and you hang around people that's like-minded, that's going in the direction that you're going. Um, you can't take anything personal. And, and what I mean by that, walk around, and how bad, 
you know, people are treating you and mm-hmm. all that. So, you know, it, that, that doesn't buy you anything. That just wastes your time. It takes that valuable, precious time that you have away from you because you're wasting on something that you're in, in not in control of. Um, and, and don't let haters distract you because, again, you're going to have folks that's not um, always 100% for you, but that's okay. You use that negativity to your advantage because once you see it, you know what it is, and you use it to catapult to the next level by getting away from them or pointing you in the right direction you need to go. Um, you know, uh, cut ties quickly. Um, when you're out there in the world and you're doing things and someone's not going in your direction and don't see your vision, you don't try to convince someone to see things your way. If they don't see it, chances are they never will see it. Cut that tie quickly and keep moving. Stay around people that are in, that's heading in your direction that's doing the things that you're doing. Always keep a little side money. You know, you never know when an emergency might happen. That's very important. But I think my last rule is so critical, and that mm-hmm. is if you're married in a relationship, you know, you, you know, you have to have effective communications. I tell people today that my wife and I have been married over 36 years. We have two beautiful kids. Um, we call ourselves a high-performance family. But we mm-hmm. do that because we communicate. My wife and I have never, has never to this day had one argument. We've never raised our voice to each other. We've never said mm-hmm. unkind things to each other. Uh, and we've had a, and this is not storybook, this is reality, uh, we've mm-hmm. had a blissful relationship because mm-hmm. we respect each other. We're different. We understand that we're different. I'm an extrovert. She's an introvert. Uh, mm-hmm. But we work, you know, so, but we communicate. We think that's still key. So, um, that's that's the 15 rules of uh, how I live my life. <laughs> wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's really, really wonderful. We're going to get into some of it a little bit later in the show. But I want to come back during your years of, you know, trying to find your compass. That's during the teenage years, so to speak. You were in the Air Force, ROTC, and so forth. Who had the most influence on you when you were growing up? Um, you know, uh, when I, when I was a young man, I was lost. I, um, I was just kind of stumbling around mm-hmm. in my book. I talk about a man by the name of Albert McCoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I joined the Navy, for some reason, Albert saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And he just kind of took me under his wings. Um, in the Navy, we called them sea daddies back in the day. And he was my mentor, and he beat me up mentally um, daily. But mm-hmm. his beating was out of love, and I knew it was out of love. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he really instilled some things in me um, that was really good. But I, I take this back from my biggest influence is my grandmother. Uh, mm-hmm. Her name is Alan Green. She's called the same way as mine. Uh, mm-hmm. My grandmother uh, was down, you know, from Georgia in a small town, but she was a force to be reckoned with. And she gave me nuggets that are still and still in use today. And so mm-hmm. she was, I would have to say, my biggest influence. And then Albert would be second. He was the one that, once I started life, grandmother foundation, Albert mm-hmm. was more a uh, life journey kind of a thing. Yeah. Very, very yeah. interesting. Yeah. And the foundation mm-hmm. is important, though, because I think that's the tender age. You know what I'm talking about? Where between yes. 12 and 18 or so, because uh, there's a period of time where nobody in our immediate family, you know, they are pretty much dumb. You know, we're looking for answers, but the answers are actually <laughs> within around us, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Very, very interesting. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast, available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hot Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Alan Maxwell. He is the president and CEO of Army Max 2 Army 2 Max, a defense contractor business with 100 employees in nine states. Alan is also the USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of The System is Unforgiving. Play by the rules and win. We're having a conversation about his rem- remarkable life's journey, his multi-award winning book, and his passion for mentoring students to succeed in life, regardless of the challenges they face. Alan, let's talk about the book. You mentioned a little bit about how you rule number one came about to you when you met the wonderful gentleman when you were in the Navy. How was that transition like? Because you're looking at, you know, it's one thing to think about it on the mainland, and now you are actually at sea. And I might add, it's not like, you know, we're there for three days and, and I'm back. How was that transition like for you? Uh, in terms of me becoming my Being mentor? Being at sea. Yes, uh, with your mentor, and then the fact that you were at sea, you know, for that prolonged period of time. You learn very quickly that it doesn't take much to survive. It doesn't take much <laughs> to, uh, to satisfy your Maslow's needs. All you need is a bed and three meals a day. That's it. <laughs> 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 you know, would you uh, would you at any given time say maybe I should have stuck with the army? <laughs> yeah. Well, so the answer the answer to that is never. <laughs> never thought about that. Uh, you know, it's always been nice being in air conditioning uh, ships and all that stuff. Being at sea uh, was an interesting challenge, but it was that uh, you worked and you played war games all the time. So it was always right. you didn't have time to sit. Self-reflect. There was always something going on, and the Navy yeah. does a good job of keeping your mind filled with things to do. Mm-hmm. I, I understand. One, you talk about in your book, continuously reevaluating our game plan. It's a must. Okay, and the reason why I'm bringing this mm-hmm. because it's kind of fun when you look at it. Because in the Navy, you know, when you get on deck, the view never changed. So how would it be able to reevaluate our game plan, so to speak, and thinking like, wait a minute, now am I need to stand in a different direction here, so to speak? <laughs> so that's so I'm going to use that as the horizontal viewpoint, but then you also have to reflect on your detailed viewpoint, which means that's right. Yeah, yeah. maybe the horizon never changes, but <laughs> what immediately around you does. Right. And that is, you know, what is it going to take to get promoted? What jobs are you doing? How are you how are you um, uh, looking at being evaluated in terms of doing a great job? So, again, keep the horizon in view, but you have to look right in front of you every second of the day to make sure you're heading in the right direction. And that's a very that's good observation. True. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. And that's the reason why I asked that question, because it's interesting uh, there is a cliche word, you know, the devil is in the details, but to me, the opportunity is in the details. And and let me add to that, it says an idle mind is the devil's workshop. So mm-hmm. when you put those two together, you need to be always involved in something, not allowing yourself that time 
to think of the nonsensical things, you know, the things that distract you from achieving. And and it's easy to do. You can easily uh, get caught up on self-pity. You can easily get caught up on, you know, oh, the system isn't treating me fair. They don't like me and all that nonsense. And mm-hmm. and so you have to you have to not let that interfere into your head. You have to stay focused and stay uh, keep your apertures open. You have to stay focused for sure. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. It's not an easy not an easy uh, road, but it's a good successful road, especially on this end of it. Mm-hmm. Very very interesting. How was your transition like? being in the military where is it is structured very structured in many ways and then coming to the real world and where you know people may say what they want to say but they don't necessarily mean what they have to say and it's very difficult to hold them accountable for what they say <laughs> so the military taught me a lot of valuable lessons one of the things that I did while I was in the military is that whenever I spent nine years overseas, I was forced basically because I was overseas to live on military bases. Mm-hmm. But when I was stationed stateside, I got as far away from the military as possible um, so I can assimilate with non-military people just to understand how that world was around me. Right. And so when I transitioned out of the military, it was an easy transition. Um, the biggest aha moment was when I retired, it was, I could think to myself, I don't have to ask permission. Mm-hmm. And I went crazy once that happened. It was like, I want everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, normal, uh, normal guide. I mean, not guidelines, but normal restraint. Yes, yes, that's interesting. Yes, very, yes. very interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you view adversity? I look at adversity um, as a means to improve. Um, I think challenge, I thrive on challenges. Uh, I tell the people that work for me is that when we run into a situation, I don't care. I honestly don't care how we got into a situation. What I care the most about is how we get out of the situation, and that's where I want to spend my time. I don't want to sit around and and blame anybody for doing something wrong and, and not doing the correct thing over there. I like to say, hey, we're we're in the middle of the lake and the boat's sinking. It doesn't matter why the boat is sinking. It doesn't matter how the boat is sinking. It matters how we get to shore. And so that's how I handle adversity. I don't spend time uh, worrying about the now situation. I worry about the future where we're going. That's mm-hmm. how I handle it. Yeah. What I like about yeah. you talk about in the book is you mentioned about ensuring ourselves each day where we are at in life. And that, again, is talking about the opportunity is in the detail. But when you look at yourself over the years, were there pivotal moments in your life that this particular principle, rule, really made an impact? on you, where you were able to get up one day and realize that, wait a minute now, this is where I'm at in life, and is it in alignment with what I'm wanting to do? Do you have a particular pivotal moment that you can share with us with regards to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, the pivotal, I, I think a couple of them. One mm-hmm. was uh, when I decided to retire from the Navy. Um uh, mm-hmm. My goal was to spend 30 years in the Navy. Um, I was being promoted. And I decided that um, being with my wife and kids were more important 
than the promotion. And so I had to weigh that and make that decision. So I chose to turn down the promotion and get out of the Navy. That was a major defining moment. My other defining moment was uh, when I left the federal government and started this company. Um, I was doing quite a bit at my level in the government, but it wasn't gratifying. And it got to the point to where I just felt that I had so much more to offer that was just being uh, restricted. So I went home one night, and I said to my wife, I said, hey, I'm going to leave the federal government, and I'm going to start my own business. And, Johnny, this is what my wife said to me. This was when we were married 25 years. Mm-hmm. She said to me, she said, in the 25 years that we've been married, I never questioned your decision, and I'm not about to start now. Yeah. And when she told me that, that was so empowering right. that I didn't, I didn't have a solid plan, but I knew right. I had to make a decision. Right. And I did. Never That's fantastic. Back. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Well, Alan, I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, you were always in a structured situation, plus uh, that sort of, uh, you know, you're protected. Everything is good, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter what we mm-hmm. have. You know, it might be a snowstorm next day. I could still go to work. I still got a paycheck. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and now you're venturing out of that, you know, comfort zone, so to speak. And that's fantastic. It's good that your wife didn't say, are you out of your mind? <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, but that's fantastic. That's really, really wonderful. Why is letting others when sometimes benefit us in the long run? And can you share a particular experience in that? Oh, absolutely. Um, so, again, the only person that we could be accountable is for us. Mm-hmm. But when you are assessing where you're at every day, that's also assessing the people that's around you. So let's take, for instances, you're around someone that I call them a power broker or a shot caller or someone that's a decision maker. Mm-hmm. Now, they have your career in their hands. They come and instruct you to do something. You have a choice. You can either do it or you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. In the federal government, I had a boss that was intimidated by my presence. I had a choice. I could have rammed it down his throat and, and, and just showed him that I was smarter than he was, or mm-hmm. I could sit back and let him be the shot caller, be the decision maker, Take the decision and then alter it just a little bit to make it mine. So he mm-hmm. felt good about making the decision. He felt good that I listened to him, and he was very happy with the results. But in reality, it was my idea all along. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. let him feel that it was his idea, and it was okay. I didn't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. You know? so I lived my life that way. Mm-hmm. And it's a classic example. You know, you may lose a couple of battles here and there but you win the war on the long haul absolutely absolutely and, and that's having self-assurance as to who you are and, and you know if you have to if you have to get up in the morning and kiss yourself then already you've already lost the battle <laughs> <laughs> very interesting now you talked about taking ownership and this is very very important how is taking ownership of our mistakes critical to our success? Because especially, you know, in today's world, 
when someone was there's something wrong, you know, we do the moonwalk real quick. <laughs> you know, right. Trying to get away from it. So uh, for me, the most critical and the most important moment in my life was being the ship driver on a ship mm-hmm. that was at a collision at sea where we had a ship running to the side of us. Um, I was the second in charge on the bridge, but I was the guy driving the ship. Um, was it my fault that we got hit by another ship? The answer is yes and no. Um, there are some things I could have done uh, if I was willing to take some severe risk, which meaning taking risk. So here's the situation. Had I, had I been very aggressive and nothing happened, I would have been the extreme bad guy and I lost my career. Had I waited for someone else to give me directions and we get a ship in the side, then, you know, we lost the person before my friends were, were out at sea. Um, mm-hmm. That's something I struggle with today uh, from the sense of what was the right decision. But not once mm-hmm. did I ever blame anybody. I took mm-hmm. ownership of that. I took ownership saying that I made a decision. Right, wrong, or indifferent, I made a decision. And the mm-hmm. outcome was what it was. And so from that, Johnny, that's what got me commissioned as an officer because the decision that I made. So that was a very critical decision, and it was a very deciding, a defining moment in my life and a a deciding moment in my life. Mm -hmm. And, and again, Mm -hmm. that was 20 years ago, but I still, to this day, (laughs) question that moment, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, it's the idea of being able to rebound and self-acceptance is the most important thing because we have our comfort zone. We have our upper and lower limits. But the most important thing about ownership to me is like you just said, it's like, okay, wait a minute. This is me. I can't point anywhere else. I have an opportunity to make it right. Absolutely. Absolutely. What is your definition of being too demanding? I thought that was really cool. Like, don't be too demanding. <laughs> oh, I can, we could talk for the rest of this month on that area. Um, <laughs> you know, as I'm sure you, you've seen, uh, there, there are people that we meet that think that they have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And they're really not interested in hearing your answers because right. they're driven in such a direction that they want to go that they just want you to to just follow and and just to just to get off topic a little bit. I think our last administration uh, was a perfect example of of being very mm-hmm. demanding and not mm-hmm. letting anyone else uh, play on the play on the field mm-hmm. with them. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be a part of the team, and if you don't seek um, suggestions or advice from the teammates, the team mm-hmm. is going to fail. It's not going to be a team. It's going to be an I failure. It's not going right. to be a team. Right. So when you're too demanding, it shuts people down, and they're not going to give you their their ideas, their thoughts, or their creativity. They're, they're going to see it's just like micromanaging. You're going to right. get exactly what you micromanage. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, it's, so true. It's always nice to give others an opportunity to think, yeah. Very mm-hmm. true, very true. You're listening to From mm-hmm. My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hophoffer. My guest is Alan Maxwell. He is the president and CEO of Army2Max, 
a defense contractor business with 100 employees in nine states. Alan is also the USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of The System is Unforgiving, Play by the Rules and Win. We're having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey, his multi-award winning book, and his passion for mentoring students to succeed in life regardless of challenges they face. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Speaking about students, I know you do a lot of volunteer work, sir. Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, man, Johnny, I spend a lot of time uh, working with them. Uh, we've uh, we've uh, granted several wishes for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, mm-hmm. I mentor, I'm a part of this organization called the Eagles Organization. We are comprised of CEOs and senior uh, government executives where we focus on uh, foster youth, trying mm-hmm. to help them transition out of the foster care program at the age of 18 and into life and assimilate uh, into jobs and all the positive things, families and that sort of things. Uh, the sad part and the sad statistics is that the way the foster program works is when a kid turns 18, the system shuts them down, kicks them out, and they're on their own. So if they don't have the right tools or the right, the right uh, goals, they end up in the penal system, and you know where that leads them to. So we try to grab them before that happens. Um, I'm also, um, we also focus on college students. Uh, one of the biggest challenges that we see right now today is uh, college students today go to college, but they don't know what to do after college or how to transition out of college. So right. we provide that mentorship and also job opportunities for them. Mm-hmm. To, uh, to, to understand that, okay, now you have a degree, now what? Um, mm-hmm. Just because you have a degree in kinesiology doesn't mean you can't work as a program manager. And let them right. understand that, you know, your degree is your bus ticket to get you to the next level. doesn't right. necessarily mean that's your career field for the rest of your life. So, right. so we, we demystify that whole thought um, process. Um, right now I'm in the process. I just wrote a letter of recommendations for a young man that, that's in college. That also, mm-hmm. I let him intern at my company. He just got accepted in the SpaceX program as an aerospace mm-hmm. engineer. Um, another young lady, and I'm writing a letter as we speak right now, um, is going to San Diego State University. Um, she's done some amazing things. Uh, we put together a nice little program to, to uh, support the adjustment or for the foster youth. We gave over 100 backpacks full of all kinds of goodies to these kids that need these things. And so mm-hmm. now she's uh, doing some wonderful things and is being accepted to yet another program to accelerate her uh, journey. So um, I, I sit and they call me all the time asking for advice. Uh, they give me a scenario, and I, and I don't give them solutions. I give them right. options. I give them options. You know, if you, go, if you go down Highway A, this is an expectation. If you go down Highway B, C, so forth and so on. And I think that's what all youth need today. They really need mm-hmm. uh, mentorship and guidance. And it's not right. taking anything away from the parents. It's just giving them another uh, viewpoint in life, a, a safe viewpoint in life. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the uh, what we what I coined as you know the university of life is ongoing. Absolutely. And so, Absolutely. having the opportunity to speak to with someone that has been down the trail makes a whole lot of difference that helps you. And of course, the ultimate decision, as you had mentioned, is not about giving them solutions. I mean, you do give them solutions through which door that they ultimately select. Uh, but that 
decision is based on their upper and lower limits. So that's beautiful. Exactly. Absolutely. For sure. Mm-hmm. Who belongs in our inner circle? Oh, man. So for me, for me, my inner circle is very tight. It's my wife and my two kids. <laughs> that is the inner, <laughs> internal circle. <laughs> Uh, because, but we have a very strong bond that we develop, and I attribute that to the military because we had to depend on each other through the uh-huh. Yeah. Um, when I step out of that, um, my circle probably comprised of probably about four people, and these were all mm-hmm. former military uh, guys sure. I served with that we've gone through some things together. Right. But, but my my circle, if I call one of them up today and says. Mm-hmm. I before I can get it out of my mouth, they would say, "Where do I send it? What do you need?" And the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. That's the, the circle that I'm in, and so it's a right. very small circle of friends. Right, mm-hmm. right. I have a tremendous well, amount of acquaintances, thousands of acquaintances, but <laughs> friends. So yeah, that's right. That's true. Well, you know, just picture a dot board. You have that red dot in the middle. That's what counts, that's right true. there. And uh, yeah. so true. Very, very true. When is taking things personally a form of motivation? I know you said don't take things personally, you're wasting your time, but when is taking things personally a form of motivation in this case? That's you know what, so so that's a very, very good question. And I want to say something that, that'll just probably lighten you up here a little bit. Okay. Um, for for example, I'm a very uh, analytical person. Mm-hmm. So early in my life, I was uh, doing some things that probably wasn't the best that one could do. This is before I met my wife. And I started drinking a lot. And mm-hmm. um, I had someone from an observation come up to me and say, hey, it looks like you're drinking a lot. And my response to that person was, you know, have I ever been late on, you know, on watch? They know. Have I ever been late to work? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my uniform ever been bad? No. I said, well, stay out of my business. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, the fact that that person said that to me, oh, I couldn't sleep at night. I internalized mm-hmm. that so bad, and it changed mm-hmm. me. It said, okay, I gotta, I'm got i done. I stopped because I took that very personal uh, because mm-hmm. of the fact that you saw a major flaw and you saw that the direction I wanted to go and the things that I was doing didn't align. So that's when I took it personal, and that's when I made a difference in that. So when, when folks say things to me, um, I listen very, very carefully to what's being said to me. And when something is said to me that's not aligned in the direction that I'm going, I take that personally. But the person that says it to me will never know how personal mm-hmm. I took it. Um, mm-hmm. The things that I don't take personal is, you know, someone's criticism or whatever. That's, and that's an opinion, and that's what it is. But right. If there's a if there's a if there's a constructive statement made that's going to be something that's going to benefit me, then I do take that very personal, and then I do make the corrections that's needed to get on the right track, for sure. Fantastic. That's a great example because a lot of times we need to hear something that we need to hear, <laughs> so to speak. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, because we, we don't see it ourselves. And then not only that, the way to measure it as well, you can see whether that person is genuinely saying something for your best interest. He's got nothing exactly. to gain out of it. Exactly. 
That's exactly my point. Yep. How do you define effective communication in a marriage? I know you talked about how loving your relationship is, so maybe you can share the secrets with us. Oh, very good. Um, so effective communication is very simple to me. Um, I, I call it looking through my set of glasses versus looking through their set of glasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, for an example, um, yes, we've never had an argument, but we've not always seen things eye to eye. So in reality is that I listen to my wife's rationale and viewpoint as to why she made the decisions that she made. If my first reaction is I disagree with it, I have to sit back and understand why. you know. And then if it was her why made sense to her, then I have to accept that because that's all she has. That's what she did. I can't mm-hmm. go back to her and say, well, you were all wrong because you didn't do this, this, and this, because she may not have had that knowledge, understanding to make that determination. So I have to accept the fact that she made the decision based on knowledge, understanding, and, and you know, maturity, education, you name it, as to why she made the best decision she could make with what she had. So I have to accept that. So now that I understand that, I get back and say, yeah, I understand it. And then I say, well, um, here's my perspective as to why I didn't align with you at first. And then she understands that, you know, but the main thing is, is respecting each other. And and real last, I think was critical. I asked my um, um, grandfather on her side Mm -hmm. when he had his 50th anniversary with his wife, I asked him, I said, Grandpa Rice, how do you stay married to someone for 50 years? And his mm-hmm. answer was simple. He said, I have no expectations of my wife. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, that just rang a loud bell to me because so many people destroy right. relationships because of expectations. But again, we're all different. No matter how much we think we are alike, we're all different. And you have to right. respect that. Yeah. So uh, you got to talk about it too. You got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if it's hard to talk about, you got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. I'm hearing from you, the most important thing is that you have to give the person the opportunity to speak. And for like, I use this coin uh, term in terms of listening someone into existence because that's very, very important because they have an opinion. And obviously, whatever decision they made, they made it based on an informed decision at that time. That doesn't mean that you can't change it with additional information, uh, you know, latest information exactly. and details and so forth. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 100%. Yep. Is it ever too late to play by the rules and win? It's never too late to play by the rules and win. Never too late. And that's the beauty about life. Change is change is change. Um, if you have a desire to change, all you have to do, as Nike say, just do it. <laughs> you, know, you, have you, know, you have to do it, and, and that's a scary decision to make because if you're in your comfort zone, right. you know, change sometimes takes you out of your comfort zone. But yeah. in order, in order to make the change, you have to make that decision, and you have to stick with it, despite what others might think. You have to do it. It's never too late. So true, very true. Looking back in introspection and the structured life did live with the U.S. government and then being on your own, so to speak. What was the greatest side of the equation in terms of that structured, you know, concept that you 
uh, were exposed to that really helped you in the business world? So, you know, uh, throughout my 15 year olds, there's a common theme, and it's all about your decision. And mm-hmm. so I've worked for others for over 30 years in the military mm-hmm. and the federal government, the South. But the greatest faction, I think, is when you bet on yourself and you know that every decision that you make, you're either going to reap the benefits or suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. Putting the ownership on your back, I think, is the best uh, defining moment and the best um, thing that ever happened to me because it really, really, really brings out what did you learn through life? Did you really yeah. or did you just pass through? You know, so... So I had to deep dig. I had to dig deep into uh, my life experiences on decisions, on situations, on mm-hmm. relationships, on networking. You know, all these things that I talk about. My 15 rules are all the things that I had to pull from today uh, in mm-hmm. order to have a successful company. And respecting others, uh, creating an environment that's conducive to the direction you want to go. Uh, have a team of people that believe in you, and you believe in them. Uh, all those things are the key to making that defining moment. So uh, I would, I would, that would be my answer to that question. Very interesting. And you mentioned these are our own personal habits, or you know, these are what defines us, right? And so now we are in the uh, what we call Main Street, I guess, in some ways. But in all actuality, this personal discipline of who we are. That's what makes us successful in a structured organization in the military as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, the thing about the military, um, it's straight in your face. It's like mm-hmm. either do this, this, and this, and you'll succeed, or you do that, that, and that, and you're going to fail. There's no right. in between. If you, right. you participate, you do. Which is good. That's life. You know, mm-hmm. either you participate in life or you don't. Mm-hmm. You know? But the military holds you accountable for your actions, and that's what's important. That's right. So true. Where can someone go to get more information about you, buy your book, and keep up with your latest happenings? So go to my website, alanmaxwellauthor.com. That has all my latest information, how to purchase my book, how to get in touch with me. Um, I'm certainly open for mentorship. I'm open for uh, uh, interns and things of that nature in the company. And again, I'm all about uh, giving back. I feel very blessed. I feel that uh, that being a, a deacon and a servant of the Lord has blessed me tremendously uh, to give back and not to be the pompous guy, not to be the arrogant guy, not to be the, the self-centered individual, but to be the giver and the sharer and the, uh, and the uh, person that um, just respects mankind uh, and know that, hey, we can't do this by ourselves. And, and I'm just a small, small, small grain of sand in a huge beach. So that's the way I look at my life. And I change what I can change that's around me, the things that I can't change. I accept it, and I just try to live life the best I can and treat people right. So. Wonderful. And mm-hmm. by the way, I mean, I strongly recommend your book. I, I, you know, what's interesting about it, you know, we one would think, you know, oh, well, it's a business thing. It, it tells us exactly what the laws and rules of life and so forth. Yes, but you have some really wonderful insider information here that uh, you sure did, you didn't have to pass the uh, Pentagon to write all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is this is my personal experience, so it's not like right, uh, right. I'm saying top secret. But yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean, the only thing they can say, well, that one slipped by me, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's out there. But no, it's a beautiful book. It's very exciting. It's a wonderful read in terms of uh, your life's journey and the experiences that you have and you share it with others as well. And then not only that, I mean, it's just the idea if you want to know what life is like in the Navy and so forth, working for the federal government in a specific area of interest, this is the book for you. It's fascinating. It's really wonderful. What is next for you, sir? Oh, I don't know. I'm getting pounded about writing another book, and uh, uh-huh. I'm, I, you know, it, you know, they say the first book is hard, but the second one is even harder. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm focusing. The, the focus is on uh, growing my business. I'm reaching out to some different business strategies, mm-hmm. and you know, I am thinking about someday, you know, uh, uh, heading to the beach and uh, traveling the world and just really, really uh, taking time with the wife and just doing good yeah. things. So right. uh, it's been a, it's been a long journey. It's been a hard journey. So I want to try to relax a little bit and do, do, do the fun stuff. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So true. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Live a life that God gave you and do it to the best of your ability and don't let anything deter you or stop you and do the things that make you happy, you know, that doesn't affect others in a negative way. That would be my words of wisdom. Fantastic. That's really, really wonderful. Alan, thank you, sir, for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, February 16. My guest will be Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Making Me Time, 101 stories about self-care and balance. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed week. Ellen, sir, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a very blessed day. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you for having me on your show. You have a great day as well. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.